My guest this week is Ade Hassan, the incredible founder of Nubian Skin. From dreaming up leaving her job in finance to then having Beyonce's stylist calling up to order her products, Ade is truly riding the entrepreneurial roller coaster. And it's rare in this day and age that a truly new and innovative product is brought to the market. But that is exactly what Ade did with her brand, Nubian Skin, which makes underwear in dark tones for women of colour. And I absolutely loved speaking to this brilliant, driven and very focused woman. I couldn't actually believe when researching her that nude coloured underwear only existed in peachy pink when she first had the idea back in 2011. And I truly believe that Ade is just at the very start of her journey, despite having seen so much success already with a vision and drive like hers I believe the sky's the limit. I'm Holly Tucker, and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. I'm the founder of Not on the High Street and Holly and & Co., and I'm the UK ambassador of creative small businesses. I believe that having a business, doing what you love, is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. And my dream is to help everybody start theirs. So I've reached out to all my favourite small businesses, acclaimed entrepreneurs, and those who just simply inspire me, and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to our sponsor, NatWest, who have helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all... Hello, Ade. So wonderful to meet you. You have been on my list of inspiring female founders to interview for such a long time. And I don't know if you know this, but every March at the Holly & Co workshop, that's my physical shop in West London, we celebrate Female Founders Month and we create these rosettes um, with all the most inspiring female faces on it. And you've been on our wall now for three years running. Did you know that? (laughs) I had no idea. That's so lovely. Thank you so much. So actually, next time, um, next March, I will send you a photograph because it will be the fourth year you adorn our wall. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, I thought I'd let you know that. Um, We're we're 120 days into lockdown and I'm recording this from my desk. Um, Tell me where you are now. So we are in South Yorkshire um, in a tiny little village. (laughs) Very, very far cry from my London life. Um, But yeah, we we bought um, a house here at the end of last year and and we've just decided to spend more time here, given the fact that, you know, a lot of the joys of London are not currently available. Yes. And, you know, we're going to talk about the fact that you've just had a little one. Yes. Um, so it must make such a difference to have some space and fresh air. It really, really does. I mean, we literally came about two days ago, um, you know, with suitcases. And um, this morning I fed him and then we just popped outside into the garden. He's sort of looking at all the trees and the bushes. And so it's really, really sweet. It, It is. It's completely different. Oh, I'm so pleased for you. Well, I'd love to start with your story growing up because you were born in the UK, but you and your family moved around, didn't you, quite a bit when you were younger. Can you tell us a bit about your childhood and what it was like? Goodness, yeah, of course. Um, so I was born in um, in West Yorkshire, actually. I'm in South Yorkshire right now, but I was born in Bradford and I think we were there for about two days. My parents, my dad was... Um, is a doctor and he was training at the time. And so they would just move around from place to place wherever they got posted. And then we went to, when I was about four, we moved to Saudi Arabia. Um, and then when I was five, we moved to Nigeria, which is where my, my family's from. Um, and that is, I always think of that as sort of like the golden period of my childhood. It was just, it was wonderful. We, you know, my grandmother's, were both alive and so they spent so much time with us and we just had family around all the time um and I just yeah to this day I just look back at that period with just so much happiness because it it was just full of family um and my both my parents were entrepreneurs and so that had a very big impact on me just especially seeing my mum as you know a businesswoman. That's what we always called us. I remember when I was younger, people would be like, what do you want to be when you get older? And I'd be like, I want to be a businesswoman. No idea what it meant, but I knew that (laughs) I was very impressed by my mother. Um, 
And then we moved back to England um, and then consequently moved to the US, ended up doing university there and then came back to the UK in 2005 for my master's. So literally my goodness. all over the place. Um, all over the place. All over the place. But the one constant um, is my family. And they, so wherever they were, as long as we were together, that felt like home. And just going back, because both your parents were entrepreneurs, weren't yes. they? What do you think? When you look back and you say, I wanted to be a businesswoman and your dad was an entrepreneur, was it really, was it in the air? You know, when you sat down for family meals, were you listening to them talking about their businesses? And do you think that sort of got into your DNA? I, I, I mean, it must have, right? Um, proofs in the pudding in a way. But my, um, both of them were just so, they were building, they were dreamers. And I saw them and the amount of energy and effort that they put in. Um, and yes, it was just part of everyday life, but it was, it was part of like a big family adventure, which we were all sort of, Mm. you know, involved in and and happy to see grow. Mm. Oh, I love that. I want to touch on that as well, but you started up, didn't you, in the corporate world, in finance. Um, what drew you to that field of work? Was it a love of maths and those sort of things, or was it a little bit more, um, how can I say, you know, it's, it's something that everyone was doing. What, what, what was your draw? I, you know, this, I'll just be perfectly frank. Finance was probably a love of money. Um, my mum, when I was growing up, you always hear people say, oh, my mum said that I needed to marry rich. My mum said, you need to get a good job because you like nice things. She would literally yeah. just say that to me. You need a good job because you like nice things. Um, and so I remember when I was, I must have just started university, um, I think end of, of, of high school, beginning of university, and somebody just said, oh, you can make lots of money in finance. And I thought, perfect. So all that soul, all that soul searching. <laughs> it's like that's going to answer the problem next next I'm going to go and do that and uh, yeah what was that experience like you know what it was fun with a caveat the training part was fun because you've got about 60 odd people and you're all young and you're all starting and you know you're starting in the city and in banking and so you're having lots of fun having fun (laughs) exactly and then training's over then you start working and it's pretty brutal I mean it's really long hours you know like 10 p.m midnight standard um I still have some really really good friends from those times and so I always say I would do it again in a heartbeat but I would always so leave again when I did um yeah but but am I right in saying you then moved to Paris I did what made you make that decision and did you develop yourself out there Mm. So it had always been one of my dreams to, and one of my goals to live in in Paris. The big hurdle for me was telling my parents that I wanted to leave this job and go into whatever in Paris. Um, and so um, my mum actually was amazingly supportive. And I don't know, I mean, because she just was. Well, she's an entrepreneur as well, isn't she? Yeah. So she sort um, of maybe exactly. could feel something about you before you did. Yeah. And she just said, you know, and I was like, I'm really worried about telling daddy. And she was like, don't worry. And she kind of primed him. And she finally, you know, he was like, she was like, Ada has something to tell you. And I think he probably thought I was going to drop a horrible bombshell on him. And so when I said, I want to move to Paris, I found a business French course. And I think it'll be great for my career. And he was like, oh, is that all you have to tell me? And I was like, yes. And I was like, he's like, yes, brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and just, it was just fun. It was, you know, it was an amazing time to figure out. I didn't have many responsibilities really besides going to my French class. Um, and so I could just play around with creating things. Yeah. It's amazing because actually then I'd love to ask you because this is, is, is this where you first had the sort of light bulb, um, moment, the idea for your business? And, because it's it's one of those stories when and uh, some people used to say it about not in the high street as well, which mm. was you know I actually can't believe this hasn't happened before. You know, yes. it's it's one of those things you must have this all the time. What do you mean you invented it? It's like how did it not exist before? So can you tell me um, about this moment that you had and 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 we'll go on to the business at hand. But I'd love mm. to hear it um, the story. Yeah, of course. So the actual idea didn't um, materialize until I got back from Paris and started working again. But while I was in Paris, I definitely 
had a lot of experiences, particularly around fashion, where I just realized that I I loved it. I loved um, the creativeness of it. And I thought, okay, you know what? I do want to create something. I want to have some sort of business that has to do with fashion. I don't know what it is yet, but I know that I want to. And I um, tried consulting for a bit because I thought, okay, I've done finance. Let's try consulting. Um, And I was consulting and it wasn't something I was loving. And it was while I was consulting that the idea literally just popped into my head. And it was literally like somebody flipped on a switch. And I thought, hang on a minute. I can't find this. Nobody's doing it. I'm like searching and searching and Googling nothing. And I just thought, this is it. And I remember sending a text to one of my really good friends at the time saying, I figured out what I want to do when I grow up. Um, Because I was just like, oh my goodness, nobody's doing this. It's unbelievable. And it's that moment, isn't it, where you go, you do Google it and you say, no, no, come on. I've got to keep Googling because, you know, this has to be somewhere. And, you know, because if you, it is absolute genius because obviously speaking as a white woman, you take for granted the products that are so easy to buy, matching mm. our skin tone, underwear, makeup, tights, plasters. And it just feels so late in the day that these products weren't available for people of color. And I remember seeing on Instagram last year when the very very first um, ballet shoes were mm. made in all different skin tones, not just those peachy pink color um, that they have made ballet shoes for hundreds of years. Or more recently, when Tesco launched its first range of plasters, Masters, mm. um, available for light, medium, and dark skin tones, and even their advert strap line for the placids. You know, do you, it said about bloody time um, <laughs> because it, I think it, it's shocking that these products didn't exist, and it it shows actually when you think about that. Um, so many people think everything exists already, yeah. but actually it doesn't, does it? Yeah. When you when you look at the opportunity you um, saw, so can you tell me? When did it start in terms of, and how did it start? Because what were the next steps? So you've had this, you've done, you've done the text, your friends written back to you going, oh my God, what did you do? Did you quit? Did you just race out the door? What, what, what was your journey? So I knew, so I had the idea and, and that was, you know, I was like, okay, this is a very clear vision that I had. What year was this? This was, that was 2011. 2011? Yeah, yeah. 2011. And, um, I, one, I wanted to change jobs, but two, I realized pretty quickly I was going to need more money than I had um, because you need money and capital to start a business. And so I thought, you know, I'm going back into finance because I can make more money there. I can save more money there. And then in 2012, that was the summer of the Olympics, I um, went to New York and worked out of the New York office for for the summer and shared the idea with a friend um, because I hadn't told very many people about the idea. And she was like, oh, my goodness, this is actually a really good idea. And then in 2013, in May, I received a birthday card from this friend. And across the front, it said, it's time to start living the life you've always imagined. And then on the inside, she'd just written a really lovely note about how proud she was of me and how she couldn't wait to see me on the cover of Forbes one day and how um, she just thought the idea was brilliant. And that was really the catalyst because then I thought, okay, you know what, it's time. Um, the next day I registered the company, registered the domains, and then I was really possessed because I was like, okay, I've got to do this. I've got to do this before anybody else does it. Um, and that was when I started, I was still working full time, but I really started putting the effort into making sure that this happened. And did the name just come to you? How, what was your process of your brand? The name came to me, I'm if I remember correctly, I think that was pretty much when I came up with the idea. Really? And I just, initially, I thought it was going to be Nubian nude. And the plan had been to have it be online only. And I just thought nude is not a good call. Um, that just isn't going to end well on the internet. So, um, and then I was like, what is it? And it's, it's skin. It's about matching your skin tone. And so that's where the, the name Nubian skin came Oh, it's. I remember listening to a podcast with Sarah Blakely, who mm. created Spanx, and she found that manufacturing, the manufacturing stage was the most challenging part oh, because yeah. she was creating something so new, but she just had, you know, hardly any experience in any fashion manufacturing. So she was finding, you know, that finding the right supplier or making her garment that, you know, the challenges, uh, well, she spoke about um, the challenges of being a woman as mm-hmm. well within this area. Now, how did you find that experience? And did you also tackle similar issues? Yeah. I mean, the, 
biggest hurdle at the beginning was manufacturing. I tried to find manufacturers online. It's actually not that um, easy to do. Easy to Nobody. Google. No, <laughs> nobody came back to me. Um, and so then I got really frustrated because I was, um, you know, I, I was passionate and I wanted this thing to happen. And so then I started searching for consultants within the industry because I thought, okay, somebody's got to okay. know how this works. Um, and I found a lady who um, told me that I need to go to trade shows. And so that was when I was like, ah, right, this is uh-huh. you know, That's the key. Exactly. And so that's how I found my first manufacturers. And that was a very um, big, it it was a big achievement. It was also a big lesson learned about how manufacturing works and and how I wanted to manufacture. Um, But that was the way that I managed to get my first product out was um, found the manufacturer. And then it was a year long process of developing the colors because it's probably similar to Sarah Blakely when you're trying to create something that doesn't exist, there's a bit of, there's a lot of pushback or quite frankly, people are like, well, it just doesn't exist. And so for me, that wasn't necessarily the garments because obviously bras and, you know, knickers have existed for ages, but it was the colors because no fabric manufacturers created nudes that were brown. Um, it just didn't exist. And so, and especially a brown that matched a skin tone. I mean, mm. they just weren't there. And so I had to develop the colors um, it was a year-long process of visiting makeup counters, sending it to factories, it coming back, testing it against skin tones, and just refining it, telling them, please add more yellow, please add more red, make it deeper, make it more brown. Um, and at one point, literally boiling pots of tea and coffee on my, um, on my, in my kitchen and dipping cake in them and being like, this is it, this is the colour, please make this color now I look back and I just don't understand how I had the energy but um, at the time um yeah that so that was the big thing was just getting the colors right finding the manufacturer um but we we got there in the end you know, it's so funny you say that because um, I remember Sahar from Coffee Republic and also a couple of other founders I've spoken to literally creating prototypes by sticking things together. You know, it's it's almost like it had to get out of them, you know, and I think that's the beauty of founders, you know, the beauty of entrepreneurs. They're they're humble enough to absolutely boil some tea and dip some tights in. <laughs> you just read and say that is the color. You know I mean? It's it's a wonderful thing, and I think anyone listening, do that. Stick things together. Boil tea. Paint uh, a color yeah, on something. Absolutely. That's how you can maybe express what's internally sometimes very hard to articulate. Um, I'd love to ask you about funding your business mm. because you and I know that before you know it, costs up escalating as your dream starts escalating and the vision and then you think you're onto something then you need more money and I'm on a mission really through my life's work now is to help certainly female founders with this fear of finance which I think is one of the greatest things that leads to our imposter syndrome when we as women are creating businesses could you share your story and how you funded your business because obviously you side hustled in a way because you had this job for the first mm. sort of two, three years, didn't you, while the idea was brewing. But how did you fund the business? Because I remember when we were funding Not in the High Street, 0.02% of funds from VCs went to women. And I remember Sophie and I, blonde haired women, going to men, telling us that craft was not <sighs> going to be online. Nor, by the way, did they do the shopping in the household. Their wives did it. Right. Um, and so, do you know what I mean? So I, I'm, and I've done that, yeah, well, five times over. So I'm very aware of that um, experience. But I can also imagine um, potentially women of colour going for mm. finance was even another hurdle. So I'd love to hear your experience. Yeah, of course. So um, interestingly, we haven't had outside investment. So, and as I mentioned, I sort of saved so that I could start the company and bootstrap. And to date, it's essentially been, it's it's still being bootstrapped. It's just been the money that I've put in. My parents invested, my siblings invested. Um, and that's been everything that we've basically sold has gone back into the business. Um, because, uh, well, and I, I, it's interesting that you bring up the idea of imposter syndrome, because for me, I know that I, and I still struggle with this to this day, um, 
felt very much that the business needed to be perfect and profitable before I could reach out to investors. Yeah. Even though, especially having worked in finance, I know that there are so many, many, <laughs> many, many businesses which are never profitable, who are raising millions upon millions and, you know, literally don't have proof of concept or they don't have, they don't have revenue, they're pre-revenue and they're raising, you know, multiples and multiples of millions. And so that's still actually a struggle to this day that I have because I know we, we are at a stage now where we do need to fundraise. We need external financing. Um, and I'm always thinking, for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm not profitable. I can't do this yet. And I know, you know, I know I've worked in the industry. I have friends who've raised money. And I'm like, you're so far ahead of all of that. What do you think that is? Why do we feel? I know exactly. I, I remember going into raising money feeling like everything had to be perfect. I had to present a perfect scenario, whereas our male counterparts mm. would a hundred percent not be presenting that 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 sort of neatly, you know, all in a box, packaged up beautifully, um, you know, with a bow on top, just, you know, just to make sure. Do you know what I mean? And they would go in and the story, their vision, they would just believe in that. What do you think it is underneath this? Because I want to sort of delve mm. in just because this is a massive issue when I talk to founders. And if we don't go for that money, our sort of businesses are always held yeah, back. They never course. go to that next stage. Exactly. And it sounds like you're on that next stage part, are you? Yes, exactly. And and, and that is something that I, I literally like speak to myself being like why are you not doing this and I think it's there's multiple things one I'm definitely a perfectionist um and I and I think it's almost ingrained in women um you know that you you need to be x right like you need mm-hmm. to not only do you need to like excel at school and and excel at your job you also need to look this way and you need to like everything needs all your ducks need to be in a row um and then for me I know there's also this is my baby and mm-hmm. yeah. almost a fear of rejection it's like if yes. I bear my soul and go out and do all of this and then somebody says actually not interested you know it, it's can I can I take that emotionally right now while I'm actually also putting in so much emotionally into my business? Like, it's like, how much can I actually handle? Um, and, and so I think those things are probably, at least I can say for myself, definitely part of it. And, and to add to it, um, especially as a black woman, as a, as a black female founder, um, having to educate people on something which is very, very obvious to me, um, having to walk into a room and say, okay, this is predominantly for women of color, um, you know, and people going, because I have, I've had this experience with retailers, um, you know, people going, oh, that's, that's niche, isn't it? And I just think do you understand the buying power of, you know. Predominantly, is it white men you're talking to? Um, white men and white women. Yeah. And actually a lot of times with buyers, it is actually, it is actually white women. Um and so I think having had that experience has sort of made me think, oh, you know what, can I, can I put in the emotional energy it takes to one, talk about a product for women, but then also a product for women who are predominantly black women or women of color. Do I have it in me to start educating people? And so I think it's all those three things compounded has made me quite reticent. Um, but I also know that in order to take the business to the next level, I need to get over that. Want to win a one-to-one 90-minute mentoring session with me? Well, thanks to NatWest, you can. All you need to do is sign up to the NatWest Business Builder using our code to be in with a chance. The Business Builder is an entirely free e-learning site packed full of information and advice, covering everything from well-being to finance. Head to natwestbusinesshub.com forward slash Holly Tucker to find out all the details.
Now, as you know, each week we run a competition with NatWest who, in a world first, give away their ad break space to small businesses and independents. They truly believe in the power of small and want to give you the opportunity to showcase your brilliant businesses to hundreds and thousands of listeners. So without further ado, let me hand over to this week's NatWest Independent Ad Break winner. You doing what? I'm moving to Scotland. I'm shaving half my hair off because I can't be bothered to dry it anymore. You're doing what? I'm making boob necklaces and actually I didn't really ask for your opinion. I'm Claire from Cloudy Lemonade Jewellery and last year I started following my dreams. Sometimes it catches people off guard. I'm inspired by spreading happiness, positivity and empowerment. My motto is simple, if a design won't make you smile... It doesn't get made. That means we don't do diamonds, but we do do boobs. Our jewellery is made from predominantly recycled silver and sustainability is at the heart of what we do. To see our pieces or to watch the diary of a woman slowly unravel, follow along on Instagram at Cloudy Lemonade Jewellery or see the full range at cloudylemonadejewellery.co.uk. If you'd like to take NatWest up on their generosity and be listened to by thousands of people, we've created more information on exactly what we're looking for on our website, holly.co. You launched Nubian Skin in 2014, I think that's right, with an incredible photo shoot. And the business immediately, immediately went viral. Can you tell me this wonderful story? Because not many of us (laughs) founders get to have our business go viral almost before you had even a website, didn't you? I mean, it was how brilliant. Tell me. When I think back at it, I just think, oh my goodness, how, one, like, how were you so unprepared? But two, how were you so lucky? Um, I had very much a very, very strong vision of how I wanted this photo shoot to go. And we had amazing models and everything just sort of, it was perfect. It was such a fun day. It was like a perfect photo shoot. And then at the time, I think I had about 50 followers on Instagram because I'd been posting really mundane, random things. But, you know, it was Instagram early days. And then um, the website didn't exist yet. I think it was just a, it was a picture, actually. It was a drawing. And I think like a holding page saying coming soon. And um, I remember we put the first image up of the photo shoot and I went away on holiday my phone kept buzzing and I was like, oh, what's going on? And I looked and I had 100 followers and I was like, oh my goodness, 100 people care about what I'm doing, which obviously now I'm like 100 followers on Instagram. Like, what was I thinking? Then it was 1,000 at the end of the week. Then it was 20,000 at the end of four weeks. And that's when things just sort of had mushroomed. Then it was the Mail Online, the Independent, Team Vogue, Elle, I mean, you name it, they were all asking. And you had a, for... an American actress, Kerry Washington. Did she, yes, Kerry Washington retweeted an article in Self Magazine about it. Beverly Knight was like, hey, this is really cool. I mean, literally just, I was so flabbergasted. I, didn't, I hadn't even told people that, I was, that it was me behind it. Um, I hadn't, I just wasn't. It, it came out of nowhere. And you didn't even have a product that anyone could buy. Um, we only had the samples, right? I didn't have, a, the website wasn't functional. And so pretty quickly, I remember, I think it was our web developers was like, you need to put an email capture on this holding page because... Hurry up. Because <laughs> he was like, the tra- I think it crashed. And he was just like, the website is getting so much traffic. And so that was amazing. We, so by the time we launched, we had about 20,000 um names like email addresses uh and I mean it was it was phenomenal it was phenomenal I I still to this day I'm like what was that how did I think the word was going to get out because we didn't have a marketing plan or budget but it just all came together because everyone was waiting for it yeah it was that thing that everyone thought it should have existed and then when it was brought to their attention it felt like it was part of their lives already. And I remember back to launching Not on the High Street. Then mm. we went out and we did this ridiculous countdown on our website. I mean, what a mistake. <laughs> we told the Daily Mail and we had this thing called Daily Candy. And it was this like daily email, but it had ridiculous following because, as you said, we didn't have Instagram. And we went out 
and our website wasn't functional. This is a shopping website, you know, and it the basket didn't work. Um, and we'd only found out 48 hours before our technical department because, funny enough, E, um, eBay hadn't even managed to design this technology. And we just oh, asked goodness. some small team up the road that was only charging us a small amount of money that we were trying to build marketplace technology that didn't work. Anyway, we heard 48 hours before we told everybody, oh, it's just um, a preview site. Um, please subscribe. If please subscribe. And we had something like 10,000 people go to our site. Oh my God. And so it was an amazing experience to go through. Not one, by the way, I'm sure you're the same that I would ever want to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and almost you just want to go, how did we not have the technology sorted oh. 48 hours before we launched? <laughs> I mean, it's really, but naivety, we hold on to naivety. Exactly. It's beautiful. Um, but but tell me, you launched direct to customers, um, mm-hmm. but then you were soon approached by ASOS to wholesale your products, which mm-hmm. must have been incredibly exciting, but a little bit daunting maybe at the same time. Um, how did you navigate this? Because I know, again, from being in this world uh, of 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 small businesses, founders, setting up entrepreneurship, setting up wholesale, pricing, fulfillment, the red tape, uh, legalities. I mean, the list goes on. How, how, did you, how did you navigate this? You know what? We just said yes. I was like, yes, yes, you can do it. Yes, absolutely. And then the panic set in. <laughs> Literally, you know, Googling terms that were in contracts I was like I don't know what that is I need some sort of insurance this needs to I mean honestly it was a matter of say yes and figure it out later because I just thought these are just such amazing opportunities I can't not do them um but it was a lot of work (laughs) it was a lot a lot of work I won't say we got everything perfect we definitely learned a lot um and it has shaped the way Um, you know, that we've decided to do business now. Actually, at the end of last year, we decided we were just going to focus on direct-to-consumer again um, because the retail environment was changing a lot. Um, But yeah, a lot of it was literally just flying blind. Flying (laughs) blind. Flying blind. And tell me, what would be then, so what you're saying is sort of you came back to almost coming out of that wholesale mindset but maybe potentially going back into it with lessons learned. What would be your number one tip then between the two? One, our business has just completely changed as far as where we manufacture and and the flexibility um, of manufacturing because we started off producing our laundry in in China and now we do everything in Europe. So we're just a lot more flexible. Um, But I would say one of the biggest things is making sure it's wonderful to have opportunities and sometimes you are just so excited as you're just thinking, oh my goodness, this massive brand is speaking to me. Um, But really and truly, it's about seeing whether it works for your business, whether it works for the bottom line, um, and not just sort of being starstruck, but actually thinking, actually, is this a good deal for the brand? And and also being very, very um, strong about saying, this is how I will, my brand needs to be portrayed on your site or in your shop. Otherwise, then we really shouldn't be having this conversation. Do you think that the wholesale journey that you took, because sometimes businesses think actually the exposure that you get, you know, in that period of time almost outweighs the negatives of dealing with these big companies, except would you agree with that? Or would you say, actually, in hindsight, I feel like I could have got that exposure anyway? That's a very good question. Um, I do think that you the exposure is, is brilliant, especially with, I mean, you know, ASOS, Nordstrom, they are big, big, big companies. Um, and I will 100% say that we definitely have had emails saying, I saw it on X. Um, and so I think it's an amazing opportunity. Um, and you know what? You're going to make mistakes in business and you're going to have lessons learned in business. So you might as well make mistakes or learn lessons in a way that advances your company in some way. That's such a good point. Um, something completely different. Mm. I wanted to touch on um, your incredible photography too, as it's mm. it is completely breathtaking. It's aspirational, but it's got this beautiful authenticity to it, and representing all different skin tones, all different body shapes, and everyone looks incredible. 
what is the brains and the sort of mission behind this photography? Because it, it really is stunning. Thank you. I think that's one of the, because I do have an artistic side and it's something, the creative part is something that I really, I, I love. And so whenever we have photo shoots, that is I mean, that's like my my favorite bit, really. And we've just been so, so lucky to work with amazing models, amazing photographers. Because um, usually what happens is I have the idea of what I want. <laughs> um, I find a photographer who, and I generally work with people, um, you know, time and time again. And um, the models, you know, they, they sort of get it and they're excited. And yeah, all it just all the magic just happens you know we get there we're having fun I've, I have the shots that I want um and and we just kind of it just goes the vibes and shoots are always really really fun I don't know there's just like a little bit of magic that happens um especially when the models really believe and care about the brand because I think that comes across in the imagery because they and they feel and that's the whole point of the product they're wearing something that is literally made for them. And so they feel comfortable and they feel loved, I guess. Yeah, they feel they feel part of it. You can feel that. You can actually feel that through those pictures. And I, I think Nubian Skin has really pushed other brands and sort of editorial to be more representative of everyone mm-hmm. and make us sort of question why underwear imagery can't be authentic and why we've always been marketed to in a certain way and it's not until you look back at these previous models and this photography these incredible skinny women in underwear very young very Mm. sexualized and it's actually just crazy to think that we didn't even question it that this was just sort of how we all grew up and it's it feels exciting that entrepreneurs are breaking the mold you're breaking that mold how do we progress our imagery our marketing um to make it more inclusive of everyone but also to maintain its authenticity like do you have a way that you approach it yourself that you almost could be tips for those listening I think first and foremost is it's your baby it's your vision so just make sure whatever you're producing is true to that Um, I remember when we did the very first photo shoot, um, I just picked four models who I just thought were stunning um, and I thought would represent the brand um, really, really well. And then I remembered afterwards, people were saying things like, oh, you were so brave to use, you know, women that weren't super skinny. And I was, that hadn't even been in my head. I just thought these women are gorgeous. And so sometimes I think don't go with, what you see other brands do, don't go with what you think mm-hmm. you should necessarily do, but go with what is true to you and what's true to your brand. You know, even with the shoots that we've done recently, a lot of the models I know now, some I'm even friends with, because I just, they, to me, they represent my vision. And I think if that's yes. where you're coming from, then it will be authentic because because it is, that it is from you and it's your brand, it's your product. I love that, that you you use the photographers over again. You're friends with the model. There's there's something in that, isn't there? And I, I, I speak about create that support group of people that actually are not just a, ph- a photographer one-off and then you've got to start the whole process again. You know, invest in those who can support you and almost by picking your, let's say, third parties that are going to support your vision, actually not don't make contacts, make friends. Mm. You know, would you agree with that? Because it's certainly something I've seen very successful brands do, creating that sort of support group. Yeah, I think it's definitely important to create an ecosystem that enables you to grow and nurtures your your brand. Um, and But it is also important to allow for newness. Okay. I think it's like finding that balance of saying, okay, these people are part of the DNA now. And sometimes you need a little bit of new blood every now and then as well. Yeah. And see how that works. Well, you've almost created a Nubian skin dress book, haven't you? Exactly. And I always call it, um, we always say you're part of the NS family now. Um, and that's how it feels, especially on shoots or even, um, you know, if we do events and there's certain people that keep cropping up and you're just like, oh, they're, they're part of the family now. 
Yeah, I've I've started calling some people godparents. <laughs> yeah, so I've got godfathers, godmothers, um, and they can never say no when I I go. Please, will you be Holly and Co's godfather? And it's this way of basically saying, will you care for us when we need you? Um, and it's a lovely way of looking at business, isn't it? It's a that calling it godparents or family. Yeah. We've teamed up with our friends at Three and all year we'll be working together to make business dreams come true. Share your dreams on social using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer and who knows what will come true. With Three Means Business Plan, I love that you can get up to £500 worth of benefits from their specialist partners to help give your business a helping hand. Whether you need support with accounting or building a new website, Three have got you covered. Now over to a short story about those that dreamt big and flew. Frida Kahlo has a story defined by passion, determination and strong independence. And she is viewed by many as an icon of female creativity. But her life was not an easy one. As a child with a love of art, Frida was disabled by polio at a very young age and was bedridden for nine months. She was, however, a promising student destined for medical school until she was involved in a bus accident, fracturing her spine and hip and spending many more months recovering and rehabilitating. And it was during this time that she returned to a childhood hobby of art with the idea of becoming an artist. Often painting self-portraits from her bed, Frida's life was driven by challenging the political status quo. And right up to her death, she was a staunch champion of the Mexican Communist Party, even helping exiled Soviet communist Trotsky and his wife Natalia in 1937, where they stayed with Frida before being granted asylum in Mexico. Never one to conform, Frida lived a colourful and vibrant life, free from all the shackles of societal norms and challenging the status quo, all whilst pursuing her deep passions, political activism and art. She did find some success in her lifetime. In 1940, the Louvre purchased a painting, making her the first Mexican artist to be featured in their collection. But it was not until after her death that her true genius and talent was celebrated, not only as a recognised figure of importance by art historians, but also by political activists, the female movement and the LGBTQ plus movement as an icon who boldly stood up for what she believed in and never failed to challenge the establishment through her creativity. Don't forget to share your own business dream using hashtag Holly and Co Dreamer. To discover more about Three's business plans, search Three Means Business. Now back to Conversations of Inspiration. Something I simply can't wait any longer to ask you about. <laughs> Please, can you tell me the story from 2016 when you got a certain email from oh Beyonce's God. stylist? Don't. Beyonce's <laughs> stylist. I mean, I've never even spoken to anyone who has spoken to anyone near her. <laughs> that was honestly, I look back at that and um, I just, my mind is just blown. Um, yeah, we were, I remember we were in our office. It was me and Amy. We're sitting around and Amy goes, um, oh, we just got an email that's like forwarded over to me. So I'm reading this email and it says, you know, um, I'm so-and-so and I am working on the new tool and we want to work with you on this. And we know the sizes and her colors and the dancers want to use the product. And I was just like, delete. It's a scam because when you're a small business, some people unfortunately do try to take advantage of you. And I was like, you know, I've been burned in the past. This is, there's no way. There is just no way in the world that Beyonce or anybody related to Beyonce knows about the Nubian skin. So that's clearly a scam. And I was like, 
that's really annoying. Delete. And then it just sort of kept gnawing at me at the back of my head. And I was like, oh. What if it was? And so I emailed two friends who were very much in that scene. Um, and I was like, have you, I forwarded them the email. I was like, have you heard of this person? And like one of them responds immediately being like, I know him. You need to respond. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Um, and I remember we sent an email. I was like, oh my goodness, if I would love to, you know, please let us know what you need, what you want. Um, and then the rest of, I think for like 48 hours, all we played in the office was Beyonce. Because we were like trying to channel the vibes and be like, please let them respond to us. <laughs> because it's been a few days since the email. Because maybe I played a bit too hard to get. <laughs> but my lack of response within 48 hours, you do it's I love that and I can imagine you looked at the images of her, um, her on tour she looks so incredible oh in your goodness. product I mean how did you cope when you saw those photos coming through well so obviously we, we we you know they ordered the product they wanted we sent it out and then it was silent and so we were like oh, okay hopefully this you know and then the images started pouring in because she kept releasing I mean Beyonce is just a master at or her team is a master at publicity but they started drip feeding you know the formation tours and and it was strong strong imagery and they had in so many of the images either lace things or cut out or just a lot of see-through things um and I just remember going that looks like that looks like Mimi and Skin and so I email him and I'm like is this what I think it is and he just writes back like a hundred percent and I was like oh my goodness I yeah lost it absolutely lost it (laughs) I'm so happy for you. Anyone who's, uh, no one's actually seeing me in a day actually on this podcast, but we're both sort of moving around in our seat because we're talking about your product being on Beyonce and in the world tour. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then, and then phenomenally, especially not long after, you were written to by another queen (laughs) when you were awarded an MBE for your services to fashion. I mean, 2015 and 16 were pretty good years for you. Yeah, that was, you know what, that was, yeah, it was 2016 information, 2017 was the MBE. To this day, I don't know who nominated me. I don't know. I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen until I got the letter. And I have asked everybody. So if anybody listening, if you are the person (laughs) who nominated me, thank you. Um, Because I thought it was a fine. I thought I was getting fined for not doing my tax return. (laughs) Um, I didn't even see the letter. My sister was like, oh, you, something's come to mum and dad's. And then she sends me a, like a, you know, she'd taken a picture. She sends me a photo of it. And, I was in, I'm at Mykonos Airport and I burst into tears. Yeah, that was just, I'd gone on holiday with my husband and a couple of friends and it was a really difficult year in the business. I think we were just really, um, it was a hard year. And then that happened and I just thought, somebody sees me. Oh, it's making me emotional talking about it. They did <laughs> well, see you. Well, you would have had, you've had the, yes, the same experience. <laughs> well, maybe not the same, but you've had. Well, it's a humbling, humbling experience. Yeah. And, and and also I just want to pick up on that. You know, you had had Beyonce in your product. And the next, you had such a difficult year mm. straight after. And I think this is one of the things that you you know, be prepared. The roller coaster is real. You know, it's, you don't just build a business and then the next year it subsequently just goes up a notch and then subsequently another notch. You can have phenomenal success. And then suddenly for whatever reason, you're feeling like you're at square one again. Mm. It's, it's something that happened to you. And really lots of people, and I've spoken to people on this podcast, they have these phenomenal moments. Um, you know, Rebecca Strickson, just in this series, you know, her design as a designer was on Royal Mail stamps. You know, this was all over the country. And yet she had the shittest year afterwards. She said it was like tumbleweed. So it is a very difficult thing, isn't it? And before I ask you about the future of Nubian Skin, you most recently had um, another amazing high, which was um, you became um, a mother. And again, something we don't talk enough about is, you know, uh, this, this journey you're on, which is, running a business, being a successful female entrepreneur, being ambitious and being a mother and having parenting as a Mm. key focus. But I know firsthand, you know, that 
that thing, that sacrifices that you make. Um, but I'd love to hear what your thoughts are as a, for your future self, like what is your thoughts about being a mum? Yeah, well, it has been just such a wonderful experience. Being pregnant was not a wonderful experience. Being pregnant was Oh, awful. no. <laughs> but... But then his birth was just the most phenomenal thing. And then out pops this little alien thing that just you just <laughs> love so much. Um, and now he's, he's five and a half months old. And so he's just at such a fun, you know, um, time of development. But it, I'd always wanted to be a mother. Um, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't want to have children like when I was very young, but I knew I wanted to be a mother. And my mum has played such an amazing role in my life. I think she's sort of always been my inspiration. Um, and she worked while I was young. And so um, she, I know a lot of times people feel a lot of mum guilt, um, but the quality time that she spent with me, I mean, I'm obsessed with my mother. Um, and so even though they were, she was busy and she was traveling and um, I never felt that she wasn't there like I just mm. all her presence was you know sort of always always there and so when it comes to my child I want when I have a boy and so it's very strong it's very important for me that he sees women as um you know powerful people who work and who are you know or choose not to work whichever one um you know whatever floats your boat but that he sees them as equals he sees you know mm-hmm. I want him to be a very strong feminist um and so that's important for me. And so um, I'm excited that he gets to grow up seeing me being an entrepreneur. Um, but also I love spending time with him. And it's been an incredibly unique situation that we're in now because he was born in January, thankfully. So I didn't have to have him during the period of lockdown. Um, but shortly, about seven weeks after he was born, everything shut down. And so all of a sudden, no help, no, you know, no family, just just me and my husband and my baby. But that has given me an incredible opportunity to literally see everything. You know, when he smiled for the first time, when he rolled over for the first time, when he, every single thing I've been there for. Um, It's also been very hard because both my husband and I were working full time. Um, A lot of my husband's work was client facing. And so I was literally in his little nursery with my laptop or my phone trying to do emails or apologizing profusely when he was screaming on a call. Um, So it's um, it's challenging, but it's also it's, it's another adventure. It's another adventure. I just look at your beaming smile and it's just so, it's so beautiful. And tell me what you see um, as the future of Nubian Skin. So this current period actually has been very good um, for the business. And it's definitely something I've been thinking about a lot. And I put on pause because I wasn't going to fundraise having a horrible pregnancy or having a new uh, No, um, I mean, definitely the two don't mix, 100%. Exactly. Um, but now I know that it is time to take the business to the next level. Um, and so it's starting to um, figure out what does that mean for me? Um, and, you know, how do we go about fundraising and finding partners who understand our ethos and believe in our ethos? Um, because I am very excited for... Um, I think after, you know, sort of the period of the hormones and everything going a bit crazy and now sort of being back like in the business properly. Um, I mean, I never left, but, you know, feeling focused on the yes. business again. It's that buzz again being like, yes, of yeah. course, this is a brand that's needed. We're going to take it to that next level. I mean, it should it it should be the biggest brand. I mean, it's genius, genius, genius. I end all of my interviews. We've just touched on this roller coaster that we've got to have a very <laughs> strong stomach for. So, on that roller coaster, um, what would you say has been one of your biggest lows so far in your business journey? Yeah, beginning of last year, I was at a trade show. It was a perfect storm of things. I think the heating was broken and so it's freezing cold. And then we were just getting, you know, we'd get a big group of people would come in and sort of be touching all the stuff and and the samples that I, you know, we'd worked really hard to get. And, um, you know, and I'd say, oh, what what shop are you from? Um, You know, what retail are you from? And then they'd sort of look a bit awkward 
and then oh, they were no. from they were from large brands like very very large brands you know and like trying to take pictures or looking at stuff and that was happening again and again and again I bet you wanted to rip it all down I was just tired because it was it was one of those things where I'd been I'd been so excited about it because we've been working on some really really excellent products and then to know that essentially you that you know you have really big brands or brands with a lot of funding behind them boldly saying we're going to rip off your product and that was just soul destroying and have they copied you oh um i mean a lot of brands have i mean you name the brand and they've they've either ordered from us and um you know mm-hmm. come out with a mocha or um you know try, nobody and this and this is what it boils down to i think when it comes to passion nobody has done it as in depth or as with the care that needs to be taken for it to really work but they've sort of tried to take the easy way out and like dip their toe into something you either do it fully or you don't do it really I yeah and you know what from my experience when i've seen people do this they don't last no you know it it, it feels absolutely horrific right now but when you look at it the people that lasts the, the the brand that lasts is the one that was born with integrity from the mothership you um and your passion your your vibe will slay all those dragons over time i love that i love that it really really will it's just shockingly shit while it's happening exactly. um, and and tell me the greatest high then um and you know what after that period i went through a pretty low period and then did a lot of work on building myself back up and then realizing it's okay. You know, I think that realization of being like, it's okay. There have been lows, but another high is always around the corner. Um, Mm. And sometimes it's literally just people saying, thank you. We get so many emails from people saying, you see me. There's something about that, that you just can't, you can't, you can't buy that. Oh, it's just so lovely to talk to you. I mean, my goodness, what a woman you are. And I can, with the crystal ball that I have, uh, I could just tell what an amazing future that you're going to have. And as I said, hold strong with your sword because those dragons will fall. Uh, you will be successful and no Thank doubt um, and are already. Um, this is the part of the podcast where I hand over to you to read a letter to your younger self. And I don't know what you you're going to say um but it has just been the greatest pleasure to talk to you today Adi. oh thank you so much thank you it's been it's been fun it's been thank you for having me oh you're so welcome over to you all right so here we go firstly i want to say well done you are literally living your dreams and i'm so proud of you Send me some of your can-do attitude because I so admire how you dream, plan and achieve all the things you want to do. You're about to embark on some truly epic adventures, so please, please soak it all in. Leave the worry and the stress aside because you are literally making your dreams come true. And remember, through everything, you're so blessed to have such a great family who support even your wildest ideas. Don't be afraid to let go of certain relationships sooner rather than later. We'll be all the more happy for it. Really enjoy all your travels and friends to the absolute maximum. You're entering such a fun stage of life. You haven't really experienced what you perceive as real failure yet. So buckle up because it's going to be an interesting experience. Remember this, failure is relative and money isn't everything. Don't let it be the measure of your success. And I know that's hard to imagine, but focus on all the amazing wins really, really enjoy them because there will be so many. Everything else will fall into place. Just trust in yourself and trust in God. You'll always land on your feet. And if you don't, you're surrounded by the best people to pick you up. I guess what I'm trying to say is enjoy the process. Be grateful and don't lose sight of how capable and fabulous you are. I am truly in awe of you. You will accomplish so much, even if it doesn't look exactly how you imagined, and that's okay. And know and trust there is always something amazing around the corner. Always. Trust me, I know. 
<laughs> I'm in awe of you. <laughs> you know, it's so, so kind. You know, these letters are unbelievable to hear people's souls. And I love how kind you were to yourself because, you know, we, we need to all hear your letter and be kind to ourselves. And, you know, I think about that girl you were um, loving maths, uh, <laughs> loving money, loving good things. And then I look at you now with your child and, uh, and I just wish you absolutely everything. Um, oh, you deserve it all. You. And thank, thank you so, so much. much for sharing that with us. Thank you. For, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this platform and for, for asking you to write the letter because it really it was a lovely, lovely experience and a lovely exercise. So thank you. Thank you for all you do and for you being an inspiration. Oh, bless you. Big kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Before you go, don't forget, if you want to be in a chance to win a 90-minute mentoring session with me, all you need to do is sign up to NatWest Business Builder, which is packed full of videos and advice, all with the aim to help you build your business and arm you with all the tools you need. To find out more, head over to natwestbusinesshub.com forward slash Holly Tucker. Your support really means the world to me and it really does help spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown You will find that all the things that I have said Will come to when you are lying in your bed And if you want your friends to come